Greetings, creeps, and welcome to episode 11 of the Slashings Podcast. I'm your host, JR, and this is where we discuss horror's influence from the silver screen and beyond. This intro is being recorded on Monday, July 20th, and the following interview is recorded on Thursday, July 16th, and the episode goes live on Tuesday, July 21st. Talk about procrastination. We just got through is arguably going to be the hottest weekend of the summer here in New England, and in the move counter to my norm, I spent most of it outside. Between the lake I live on, the fire pits, the bugs, and the filth, all I could think of is slasher flicks. It's one of my first loves of the horror genres, the traditional slasher. This is the genre that gave us icons like Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger, and a bottomless pit of other great slasher movies that didn't quite have the legs for a franchise. Movies like The Final Terror, The Mutilator, Driller Killer, Maniac, or Madman. I can't even say the names normal, they all dip into the movie commercial voice. And way too many more than I could possibly name here. Even some modern twists on the trite and true story, like Adam Green's Hatchet, or Behind the Mask, the story of Leslie Vernon. I don't really have anything poignant to say, just that there are a few things that go together better than a long, face-melting summer night, a cool beverage, and the sweet, sweet sounds of Machete's rending flesh over a pulsing synth soundtrack. Welcome to this week's episode of the Slashings Podcast. I'm joined by Sam of Monsters Are Good fame. Hi there, I'm Sam First, and uh, my company Monsters Are Good, and my and I also work for Trick Treat Studios. Could you? So, how long have you been running the Monsters Are Good page? Uh, so, Monsters Are Good started about uh, it was I had ten years uh, this past April was was the mark, Neat. and um, I just kind of started doing it while I was unemployed. I was like fresh out of college, like like a year or two out of college, and still didn't have work and my wife who has been endlessly supportive was like well you have all this time you should probably do something and i was like okay i guess i guess i'm gonna start doing something so yeah. and for anyone listening that isn't familiar with the company how would you describe the kind of theme i guess for lack of a better word of the product so i would so monsters are good really like the bottom line of it is it's monsters for everyone it was the, the entire point of it was that I didn't want people to feel uh, sort of bound by their knowledge of films uh, or horror movies or monster movies to not enjoy the shirt or enjoy my designs. I wanted it to be like, oh, that's just a cool design. I want like, but for the people on, you know, on the inside, they know, they, they appreciate what it is. And uh, so that's kind of what it's always been about. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's been such good and creative designs. And they, you're right, they're acceptable by everybody. And a lot of people can see it and not have to be a huge horror head to get it. Like I see the, I both own and see the Ramones mashup one all the time across the board, either at conventions or at movies or just out and about. And whether you're into like the punk side of things or the horror side of things or the horror punk side of things, it all blends together so well with the designs you have. Um, when did you start getting into design? So I actually, I went to school for design. Um, I, I, so I started school uh, for illustration and I did two years of illustration and I transferred schools uh, and moved. And when I transferred, they had just recently gotten rid of their illustration department. And I was like, well, I'm like, I'll be real honest. Like, I don't really like drawing uh, things for other people anyways. Mm-hmm. I just always like drawing the things that I like to draw. I'm like, well, maybe I can do graphic design more as like a career. So I got into the design department kind of just on that, but very much fell in love with the entire process and, and 
the skill set that I developed while I was doing three years of design, and it was a very intensive kind of program, um, which was also something that I took in to Monsters Are Good because um, at that time, you know, I, I I really liked horror rock, I liked psychobilly, like stuff like that, and and I always felt like the the design was always very similar. It was all, it was all really the same. It was like those same like freebie horror fonts and fluorescent colors and like everything was pretty, like I just didn't see there was like, a, I, I couldn't see a lot of character in it, but I looked back to a lot of the classic universal monster posters and things like that and really kind of was dissecting what it was about them that made them unique and what made them feel kind of monstery and it wasn't the use of like weird drippy fonts or things like that it was always really clean type and it was like so i so when i went into this i was like i'm going to do monster design but i'm going to implement like good design techniques and good typography and that was always kind of like really where i was coming from with all of it nice and that like it's funny because that's how I had found you in the first place was I'm looking at over right now, the Max Sabbath poster you had designed for when they first came to the Middle East a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've had a, a really fun opportunities with posters. My, uh, a good friend of mine, um, Clay Inferno, uh, he, he has his own podcast, the lead uh, league of ordinary gentlemen league podcast. Um, he was a promoter for a very long time uh, at the Middle East and you know when there was like a cool show like that or a couple things like he he hit me up and and i got to do some fun stuff neat uh what are, what are some of the favorite show posters you've done well um early early days i did a, a poster for necromantic show nice uh and that was pretty good though my first poster that i did when i i got back to massachusetts was it was actually for a band. Uh, it was a show at the Middle East, and I did it unprompted um, because they were just my favorite band. But it's uh, Imperial State Electric. I, I don't know if you know them. Uh, I do not. I highly recommend them. Uh, they're they're just kind of like a really great like Swedish garage rock band. Um, members of another band called the Helicopters. Oh, okay, I know them. Yeah. So. It's the lead singer of the helicopters, like his follow-up band after the helicopters had had parted ways. And I just kind of designed the poster for fun. And I gave it to Clay and it ended up being like the uh, the primary show poster. And so now I have that one framed and signed in my office because it was just, and, and that was kind of like, it kind of set me in motion as far as like, I'm like, why am I going to wait around for somebody to ask me to do stuff? Like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. So sick and it's obviously it's been successful since then and you've continued with the different band merch too like i know you did a lot of the blitz kid stuff for their hopefully still upcoming tour for this year depending on what they still have yeah on. so so i mean there's been like kind of like really fun serendipitous meetings and uh i i ended up meeting steve uh you know argyle goldsby from mm-hmm. uh our mutual friend brad and brad is in a band called damnation mm-hmm and I had started doing Damnation's merch design, I think about three years ago now. And it started off just doing some buttons and some pins and like helping them get stuff made. 
And then I did like a stage backdrop and did some shirt designs. And then I ended up doing their album art. But um, me and, and Blitzkid and Argyle Goolsby in particular, we've always had like kind of uh, close encounters, but never really knew each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was always kind of funny. And, and then Brad was kind of the first person to bring us together. And, uh, and then me and Steve have just kind of like become buds and gotten to talk now. And we just like to talk about monsters and toys and things like that. And, uh, and Steve was, you know, getting ready for the store and he asked me, he's like, do you want to, uh, take on doing like what the tour merch is going to be? And I, I felt a little intimidated because I was like, I know they've had plenty of designs, like tons of t-shirt designs. And by like, you know, and and very nice stuff too. So I was a little intimidated by that, but it was really fun to kind of work with Steve and come up with the look and kind of the vibe of it all. And, and we got to do that. And hopefully, yeah, I really hope that that tour ends up happening. Um, You know, the world is in chaos. So (laughs) it's, that's the only thing I think I have tickets left for because I had tickets for the Doyle show down at um, Drafters, but he just posted those are all canceled. And the last show I actually saw was Argyle also at um, Drafters, the one down in Dudley or whatever there. So hopefully yeah. we get some sort of return, but it's it's not looking good. Like all the everything in October that I had planned for is canceled. I'm seeing stuff from 2021 getting canceled now. Yeah, I just got word that um, Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios got got canceled yeah. um yeah i mean it's, it's rough like i, I get it like it, it makes complete sense but it's not any less disappointing to read that because every, every oh, day yeah. something new gets canceled yeah i mean the, at, at, at this point uh in time like monsters are good like the only uh events i i do anymore uh like with a booth and, and selling my shirts in person is i go to i go to la and i do monster palooza mm-hmm and son of monster palooza and it's always a highlight of my year to go to those two shows um go out there get to see a lot of my friends that all live in in california but and then i do a lot of the time i'll do uh a a a booth on the street in salem Mm -hmm. and um that's a lot of work but i still love being in salem during during halloween season um but yeah, it's you know Monster Palooza in April got canceled, and then Son of Monster Palooza they just announced is being canceled as well in September, and they're moving it out till May in 2021. And I'm really hoping that that kind of is at a stable point in time. I hope so, man. And like, cause Salem in October is one of those things I I need to do it every single year, and I just I don't know if I would trust going out into that crowd, even if there's. I'm just curious what's going to be open. Cause like Count Orlock's just reopened. I know that the magic parlor is open. So like a lot of like my usual haunts over there are there, but I don't know if I feel safe there yet. Yeah. I actually, I went to, um, I went down to Count Orlock's uh, just last Friday. Um, I helped the owner James get his whole setup ready for reopening. Nice. Um, when he moved locations, I did all his his uh branding redesign and redid all the plaques in the museum and stuff and me and james have become really close friends over the past few years and um i was like do you need a hand getting this up to speed like do you like because he was trying to open and uh i went down there and i mean i hope 
that people will still be able to like at least locals i hope locals will still go out and like cautiously of course go and support these places um but the crowds that are normally in salem like i can't even imagine like i i'm i'm very curious to see what happens in october because like salem horror fest still has their whole lineup planned for this year too like for ticketed events that have been sold out for months they haven't said a word about those yet and they're very vocal about everything else that's going on and i appreciate that but nothing about their events or anything yeah i mean well cinema salem closed yeah and i know that but i so i'm just curious but like do you know where they were planning the events to be I don't know. At I, that point? I, like I saw the one, the Elvira event they did two years ago, and that was actually in the Peabody Essex museum, like in like the foyer. I don't know where else they're going to be doing stuff. Cause and then the, yeah, they had a guy from Goblin there doing a live score of Dante's Inferno, but I can't, I think that might've also been in the, in the museum, but yeah. without cinema Salem, I don't know. It, it bums me out cause they placed a bid to buy it and it just wasn't accepted. It's such a good little theater too. Yeah. It was a cool little place. Um, you know, I mean, Coolidge, uh, from what my understanding is, they're planning a whole bunch of outdoor events, which yeah. I think is really cool. And I think that that's going to be kind of like what we're going to see a lot of. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we, at this point in time, we start seeing reopenings of some of these defunct Massachusetts drive-ins. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, I even looked at one, at one point, I it was like a weird pipe dream, like a few years back, me and my friend were talking about, it, we're like, what if we bought a drive-in? Because I was just like obsessed with it, I just thought it would be such a fun idea. Um, I have no idea what goes into running a, a drive-in, <laughs> granted, but you know it was always something. But I, I'm just curious. I'm, I'm curious to see like how this affects that kind of an industry, where you know being able to seclude yourself in your own car is like kind of key, you know. And but I mean, I'm I guess I'm a little hopeful that they will. Like, I kind of would like to see that. I know that there's a lot of pop-up drivings going on. Well, because we've got a couple in state. Like, you've got the the Lester one that's been the family-owned one for years. The the Menden one, which obviously is a smidgen problematic right now with all the Phantom Gourmet stuff going on. Yeah, with it. yeah no, I, 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 was, I was so close to going because they were showing Back to the Future and Jaws, and I was like, I really want to go, but I don't want to go. No, because it, it's... I really appreciated that they put out there that like, Hey, he's separated. He's not part of it anymore. And at first I accepted that at face value, but the more you think about it, it's a family owned organization and company. Well, it's, it's it not only is it a family owned organization, but it's also like they said, uh, Phantom Gourmet. They didn't yes. like, that's not the Menden drive-in, you know, and that's, and that's unfortunate. And it really sucks because it is, it's the one of two mainland Massachusetts, drive-ins that are left and they're all the rest are down cape yeah you know there's like three down cape aren't there there's like at least three i'm not sure i haven't i haven't gone that far i know there's two in rhode island at least two around that i can think of because there's the rustic that my buddy was just talking about the other day and i can't remember the name of the other one and that's a handful in maine because i i went to go to the I'm supposed to go to the pride's corner one to see the evil dead reissue from grind or grindhouse releasing and we were up there for the weekend, and the people I was supposed to go with fell asleep right before it went on. I'm like, you fucking suck. <laughs> that, what a bummer. What yep. a bummer. I, I, I didn't. I wish I had known about that. Where, where was that? 
That one's the Pride's Corner. That one's just above. It's like a 20-minute ride above Portland. They have a pretty solid okay. horror run coming up, too. Like, they've played The Thing. Um, they did The Beyond, although it wasn't necessarily related to the Evil Dead one, because I know they're doing a lot of those double features of either Evil Dead and The Beyond or Evil Dead and... Um, you can say blood sucking freaks, but I drink your blood was the other one they were pairing it with. Yeah. I mean, I would love to go see that. I mean, any time to go see evil dead is one of my favorites, you know, Absolutely. I mean, the, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those things that I really took for granted when I was living in the Midwest. Um, so I grew up in Massachusetts, but I moved out to Kansas city, uh, and lived there for about six or seven years. And every year we would do, one of the first shows that Monsters Are Good ever did was a car show called Greaserama. And it was at a old drive-in and they would fill the drive-in with old cars. That's awesome. And then, and it would go all day. You'd sit outside, just like, I would just sit out there selling t-shirts, drinking beer. We would have a little grill. It was awesome. And then at night, they would show, like, some of the weirdest movies. And, I mean, like, one year they showed uh, Samson uh, versus the Vampire Women. Oh, cool. Uh, and then they also they showed Wizards. Do you know that movie? The animated one? The Ralph Basket or whatever yeah. his last name is? Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 And, you know, it was cool stuff like that. It was like, you never would see this playing anywhere. It's just ridiculous. And then uh, there was a spinoff of that where they did, it was called Horror on the Boulevard. Uh, and a guy knew we put it together and I helped do, you know, posters and stuff for that. But it was two nights out at the drive-in and it was like a hard double or triple feature. I can't remember, but you know, one year it was night of the creeps and child's play and like, and it was just really fun. And there was a costume contest and all sorts of stuff. And I really wish, like, I'm kind of like hoping something like that will come up in the area. Like, you know, that could be fun. I have a feeling it will because like Halloween is such an important part of being in like this New England area in Massachusetts in particular and with the number of like pop-up ones we're seeing like the, the Kowloon restaurant in Saugus now shows movies yeah. outside and it would be cool to see them do a, a horror theme night closer to Halloween and I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Yeah I've even like t- like started like I'm, I'm one of those dudes who's just always like scheming for some like some <laughs> stupid like some like can I figure out a way to like put a unbelievable amount of work on myself for no reason. <laughs> um, and I'm even like, there's a big parking lot area that's like right around the corner from my house. And it's like, uh, not a whole lot of businesses are active in it. And I'm just like, I wonder if I can get like clearance to do that. And like kind of get, make a whole thing of it around Halloween time. And just cause like, I want to be that weird dude in town. Who's like the, the the you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm the I'm the weird like I was for my kids' uh, elementary school. They very cautiously, but it was really funny. They were like, "Hey, I you know we wanted to talk to you about something." I'm like, "What's up?" And they were like, "Do you want to help us with the Halloween party?" And I was like, "Hell yeah, I do!" <laughs> so you know they knew to come to me, which was funny. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's like I kind of want to maintain that a little bit and be be like the weird monster guy in town. Do it up. I'll be there in that drive-in in the heartbeat. I'll be set it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the other things I like a lot that we see, well, that you do around Halloween is work with the Hall of Comics and South Bro. Yes. Yeah. That's been really fun for the last couple of years. Um, the, the guys who run that 
that shop, the guys who own that shop are two of the nicest dudes mm-hmm. I've ever met. I fucking love those guys so much. And uh, they've been super awesome to me and my kid and like just really, really good dudes. And, you know, Halloween was rolling around. They're like, hey, you want to like host this, this kind of like move, little movie night with us? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we, the past two years at least, we did it. Um, and it was once a week for the month of October. And we did, uh, you know, all the Universal Classics. And then we also did, like, you know, Abbott and Costello and me Frankenstein. And we did Young Frankenstein. And, um, and you know, just had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, but it's always a good time. I was there for the Creature from the Black Lagoon one. I brought my girlfriend's kid with me, and he wound up winning the little the mummy pin. Oh, right on. Yep. Always a good time. So in addition to running Monsters Are Good, you've also been working for Trick or Treat Studios for the past however many years. How did you get started there? Uh, yeah, so I've been working with Trick or Treat, with Trick or Treat since, uh, or like, I mean, like, I actually, I think it was like winter 2018. So like, I think like, like February of 2018. Um, may have even been earlier because I, I you know, I, I started, but um, that all came about because I, I used to work for another company called Morbid Enterprises, which I will not mince words there. They just make garbage. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to lie about that. But they still kind of exist. Um, and even now they're even more of like a shell of what they used to be, which is even more disturbing. <laughs> but uh, while I was working for that company, I had the opportunity to go to the Halloween and Party Expo, which is like the biggest like buying event for the Halloween industry of the year. So it's, it's usually in January and it's where everybody comes who sells costumes or masks or whatever they come, they display, uh, and, and stores come and and place their orders and stuff like that. It's just a trade show. But while I was one of the main reasons I was really excited to go to it, um, was that there was this new company, uh, called trick treat studios. And I had looked at their website and I, was in love with everything they did. They were making all the stuff that I wished the company I worked for made. And it was like, you know, things like the, they live masks, dark man masks. And I was just like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe they're doing this. And, uh, and so when we were at the show, one of the first things I did when the show opened was I found the trick or treat booth. And I ran, I ran up to the, the, the guy who was working the booth is this little guy and a, a scally cap. And, and, uh, and that was Chris Zephro, uh, who was the owner of the company. I didn't know him at the time, but I was like, Hey, you know, I just wanted to say like, I really love everything you guys are doing. I think it's fucking awesome. Like you like good work. And he kind of was like, he's like, Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, you should talk to Justin. Just, you know, th- like he's, he's the guy to talk to. So he kind of pawned me off on Justin and Justin, uh, and I just started talking and, uh, this is Justin Mabry. Uh, who at the time, like, you know, I didn't know who he was. So I didn't really have a lot of like hesitations in talking to him or anything like that. And me and him just kind of hit it off. We liked all the same stuff. Like we had very like similar, like visuals, like, like the things that we liked all looked the same. Like we understood each other and, and we just kind of spent the entire day walking around the Halloween party expo. And he was telling me about like who sculpted what and like all this kind of stuff. And we were just talking monsters. 
and and that was like and that was it and afterwards like you know we became friends on facebook and and started talking a little bit and then morbid enterprises uh closed the office that i was working in just out of nowhere closed the office i was out on my butt so i reached out to justin i'm like listen i know it's a long shot if trick tree studios ever needs anything let me know he called me immediately he's like listen i can't get you in here but like would you be into like doing some stuff for me like we can like i can't really pay you like we can do some trade but like let's just keep doing some fun stuff let's let's just make some fun stuff so i started doing branding for justin for his like solo stuff his like handmade masks that he sells still uh for mabry monsters is the name of his his side company and um made him business cards and t-shirts and stickers and and we just kind of kept in touch and like became better and better friends and we did that for probably like three years until i finally got a chance to like get into trick-or-treat and um you know they brought me in and and i just kind of slowly like really embedded myself into this company and and now i take on a lot more than just my design role but it's been um a real like hell of an awesome experience and the people i work for like i love and the stuff we make i love <laughs> and it makes it a lot easier uh to be enthusiastic about going to work and or working a lot uh when when it's something as fun as as trick-or-treat can be yeah, I mean, Trick or Treat, that's like the name for like the premier Halloween mask. When you go to Spirit Halloween, when you go to the boutique stores, the good masks are 90% of the time going to be Trick or Treat Studios ones. Between well, that- it was kind of, yeah, I mean, like that was definitely what stood out to Trick or Treat, uh, stood out about Trick or Treat to me was that it was like this kind of attention to detail that nobody else was really putting in because it was it was like right before the huge boom of like when Halloween really became like above and beyond what it had been for, 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 you know, decades and people started sinking in however much money every year into these costumes and stuff and, um, and props and and decorations for their house. Like, you know, it's become such a much bigger industry and they were, you know, they were using U.S. sculptors, like people who were like, who really cut their teeth on, on doing like significant stuff. Like the company was really built off of the work of Justin, who has been making, he's, you know, he's in his 40s now, but he, I mean, he's been making masks since he was 13, like just on his own. Damn. Um, so it was Justin and then this guy, Eric Labati, who's also like such a nice dude. Uh, he actually works at Disneyland. Uh, you know, like, and then there was also, uh, Russ Lukage who Russ Lukage is like a legitimate, like he works for Jim Henson. He's worked, he's worked on a bunch of features and those are the dudes that he brought in to help him build the line and really like expand it out. And it shows, I mean, like he's still now it's like, even now it's, he's working with people who not only that he respects, but he also knows that they can above and beyond deliver what he's looking for. And, um, you know, it's, it's really fun to be a part of that. And, and Trick Treat's grown 
so much in the past like two years even like like since i i started like to see where it was to like where it is now is like insane yeah what do you think is the what do you think is their big item for this year's halloween assuming we get any sort of halloween this year well i mean it was gonna be the the stuff for halloween kills oh you know so we're still, you know, Trick or Treat Studios is still kind of sitting on it, uh, waiting to see what, what we can do with it. You know, we know the movie's not coming out until next year, but we're, we're seeing if they'll, because all the stuff's made. And that's even the worst part, oh, is that man. All, all of it's made, and now we just got to kind of wait and see if we can let people have it. And, um, you know, people may be, it, 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 hopefully that'll be the case. But, you know, other than that, I mean, like we, this was the first year we got to do um, the Universal Monsters. And Justin did this unbelievably awesome Karloff Frankenstein. And, I mean, that thing's, I think it's sold out right now. Um, but I'm, I think that that's going to be a really, really popular one this year. Nice. It's. I'm curious to see if any of the Halloween stuff does come out because if any of it has anything to do with the plot of the film, I'll probably try and hold off of it. Not that it would be super spoilery. Oh, some of it does. No. <laughs> oh. No, 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 no. It doesn't. It, it's. It's. They're just. You know. They like to play that kind of stuff very close to the chest as far as like. Uh, you know what's Michael Myers going to look like? It's like yeah. we all we all kind of know what Michael Myers yeah. looks like <laughs> and, and what he's going to look like. So it's, you know, it's just the one card that they have right now that they're, you know, waiting to really play. You know, they, with, with 2018, they kind of blew it right away where they, the poster was just his face. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it showed everybody what it was going to look like. Which was fine for us because it's like, we could just put out the mask and, and be done with it. Uh, this one, you know, they, they're, pl- they're being very, they've been, playing it very strangely and I'm, I'm curious to see what the hell ends up happening. Um, but you know, other than that, we have so many other things going on that I can't even really be bothered to care. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, we're doing, so like we just released our action figure line. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's huge. Like we, you know, we hired our first, uh, well, I guess it's our only other full-time sculptor. Uh, is this this kid Alex Ray? I call him a kid. I mean, he's probably. He's, I think he's the same age as me. Um, but he is phenomenally talented. He actually did a couple masks in our lines, like like previous lines. Like he did a couple of. The, I think he did a Goosebumps mask or two, and um, I think he did the Strangers, like the the pinup girl and and uh, Dollface. Mm-hmm. I think he sculpted those. But he is primarily, he, he specializes in doing one six scale figures. So we have our first figure is, is going to be shipping in October, uh, which is the 78 house, uh, Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be cool to see that out there. Yeah, I saw a couple of those posts from the, I think it was New York Toy Con that was premiered at, right? Yeah, New York Toy Fair, we, we unveiled that line because we were keeping that pretty serious because we didn't know what people were going to say. They were going to be like, why is this mass company starting to do this stuff? So we kind of waited and we released 
Um, I mean, I guess our, 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 fir our first like dipping our toe into, you know, toys was the good guy replica. Yep. So, you know, we have that full size good guy doll. And uh, that was kind of the first thing where we were like, okay, well, we can do collectibles too, apparently. So let's see, if, let's see what we can do. And at Toy Fair, we unveiled the, the figures for Halloween 1978, Halloween 4, 5, uh, 2018, and then also Art the Clown. Mm -hmm. uh, along with that, we also have like a whole line of these Italian zombie movie busts yep. that are really, really cool. Love the the maggot one from Zombie, like the with the eyes. Yeah, oh. yeah the, the, the maggot zombie one is really like those those so those are uh sculpted by this guy uh william paquette and he's done stuff for like he did a bunch of stuff for like diamond select but like specifically dc comics and um i think he did a couple marvel statues as well but like he does he's done a few of those yeah those are really i'm excited to see those ones come out and like the video reviews and such i'm dying to get my hands on a couple i'm running out of room down in my little collectible room down here it might be time to expand <laughs> oh yeah there's always rearranging to be done too, of course. You know? <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes you just need to get one of those nice, like airtight bins and like neatly pack stuff away for a bit and like, you know, put new stuff on. Yep. That's what I'm running into now. Just like the prints and stuff that I buy, just cycling through a couple every few years. Yeah. Yeah. I have so many pictures that I need to frame. It's not even funny. <laughs> There's so many. Every convention you get a new signature. Like, okay, this one's got to go in this spot for now. This one has to go over here. Like, thanks, Doug Bradley. You've been on my wall for 10 years. It's time to replace you out with someone new for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is next on the release list for Monsters Are Good? Um, well, so uh, like I was saying to you earlier, you know, we, we just recently did the Monsters Are Against Racism shirt um, and raised over $2,000 uh, that we donated to the NAACP. Um, because there was like a lot of interest after the fact, like I was like, okay, well, I'm going to open up the pre-order again and I'm going to do another thing. So now, uh, we are, uh, raising money for, uh, the national black justice coalition, um, which they not only deal with, uh, racism, but they also deal with like homophobia and stigma around, you know, LGBTQ, uh, SGL stuff. And, um, you know, that is also something that I believe very strongly and I really wanted to expand it out um, beyond that. Uh, we're even talking about doing some animal charities down the line and, and, and doing some fun stuff with that. Um, as far as like new releases, you know, I, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if something really just like hits me and then I, I just kind of run with it, you know, the, the last two, uh, shirts prior to the Monsters Are Against Racism one was I did one that was called I called it uh, Monster Melodies and it was based on a 1940s uh, Merry Melodies cartoon mm -hmm. um, so it's in that kind of style and then for the 10th anniversary of Monsters Are Good and uh, for, for right around my birthday I did one that was inspired by the uh, the Ghostbusters, the real Ghostbusters monster toys. Mm -hmm. They had that whole line that was like Frankenstein, Dracula, the Hunchback, a zombie, a, a werewolf, and um, and a mummy. And so I did, I did a design off of that because it was like 
1986 action figures and it was like i was born in 1986 so it was just kind of like you know what really this was probably my first monsters like these were probably my first experience with the monsters these were probably these were probably the thing that really got me into it and it's like because i still have those toys too from when i was a kid and so i figured for the 10th anniversary it was going to be kind of it should be something significant like that Nice. That makes sense. It's, I I never thought about what my first experience with the universal monsters was. And as you were saying that I'm thinking it might've been the Burger King toys that they had. Cause I know I still have the creature upstairs. You could like submerge him in water and push him in the gills and water would squirt out of his mouth. I think that was my first intro to the universal monsters in general. <laughs> oh, nice. I mean, mine is definitely like, it's like a jumbled mess, but it was like, you know, I feel like uh, late eighties, early nineties really had like a surge of universal monster stuff going on. You know, so my my memories are all wrapped around those particular real Ghostbuster figures, uh, Monster Squad. Yep. Um, and then, of course, like, I mean, there were so many weird ad campaigns around Halloween time with the Universal Monsters, like mm-hmm. Doritos and Pepsi always did, like, like, tie-ins. I think Pizza Hut did a tie-in, like, and there were, you know, Burger King, McDonald's toys. Mm-hmm. And... And yeah, it was like, I, I credit, I would say real Ghostbusters because that was something that I was like super into when I was a kid. But, you know, my love of horror, like, was always there, you know? Yeah. My, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I feel like the icons of like Dracula and Frankenstein, like the designs that we've had from the original Universal ones will never go away. I'm a little... I'm curious what's going to happen with these newer versions of the films that are coming out. Like, I loved the new Invisible Man. The Mummy was obviously hot, steaming garbage. But now that we've had that Invisible Man one come out, we're getting the Wolfman too. The designs aren't there. They're not going to be as iconic. Well, you say that, but I think that somebody could do something. I mean, I agree. With, like, the Invisible Man totally didn't have anything that was, like, worth grasping onto. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a cool movie. I thought it was wonderful. And it, it kind of, I, I mean, to a certain extent, it kind of bums me out that uh, that's the direction that they're planning to go running in mm-hmm. is like, because they're having the same director do the Wolfman. Don't get like, and I'm excited because I really like Ryan Gosling. I think mm-hmm. that he's going to be a fantastic part of that movie. He's also like, uh, not, not really closeted, but I mean, he's very, uh, he, he's a monster kid. Yeah. If you don't know this about him. I'm sure everybody knows it at this point. At one point, everybody <laughs> was like, what? But, you know, he had that, that band, Dead Man's Bones. Love that. Uh, which was fantastic. And it was just this great, really weird, like, spooky doo-wop, you know? And it was, it was really fun. But he was also, I ne- and I never had made the connections prior, but he, there were all these, like, paparazzi photos where he's shielding his face with issue 100 of Famous Monsters of Filmland, which is like a weird <laughs> thing to have on you. But it's like he had it with him to like obviously look at or he just bought it and was like you know, carrying it. But um, I thought it was really funny to find that out about him that he was like this weird kind of just like quiet monster guy. And um, so I'm, I'm excited for him. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, that's great. Like, I'm glad <laughs> that he's getting to be a part of it. You know, I do I do take issue with everybody dismissing the mummy movie though. Okay. I do. 
And I was, I, I've been, I've been vocal about this since it came out because I felt that they did a lot of things right with it. I actually really dug the particularly, and I found it to be such a fucking shame that it was attached to the rest of the movie <laughs> was I liked um, like visually. I thought that she was really cool. I thought mm-hmm. it was like a nice take on that. I really dug her backstory and like what drives her to do this like evil thing and like get intertwined with these evil spirits and things like that. I thought that was a really, really, really cool uh, backstory. And she was wonderful. The part of the movie that didn't work was Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Almost everything else in that movie, I actually think was great. I thought I liked her mummy minions, these like weird, like mummified, like husk people. Like I thought I loved that stuff. Like I thought all of that was really fun. And it was just kind of an unfortunate turn of events. I honestly think that movie would have done better had there not have been the whole snafu with the trailer. Do you recall this? I don't recall that. So they accidentally released the trailer without any music. Oh. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> but, but so it's just isolated audio. There's no sound effects. There's no nothing. It's just people Weird. talking. And it, like, it was a total by accident thing. But that hit the internet and it was over. Because they had like isolated audio of Tom Cruise screaming. And it just became an endless joke. But I, I had gone with that, with, um, with my friend Clay, the guy who worked in the Middle East, he had uh, press passes to go to an early screening of it. So he obviously invited me. He was like, he's like, Hey, let's go see the movie. I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. So we went and before the movie even started, before it even started, we, cause we were sitting in the same area with all the, the film critics before the movie even started. Every single one of them was shit talking. And it was a real bummer. I was just like, it's like, you're supposed to be in here, like actually giving this movie a review. You've made up your mind. Mm-hmm. And, and that's definitely like, I feel like it became one of those things where it was like, instead of enjoying things about it, like, and seeing that like, it's, yeah, it's a flawed movie, but it's still a fun monster movie. It's a fun adventure movie. Uh, with some cool visuals and the monster looks cool. And that's really, when it comes down to it, it's like, that's, it used to be enough. Yep. But but now people are looking for these, like, I'll be real honest with you. And I, and, and I mean this with all like nothing but affection, but I feel like Christopher Nolan ruined movies. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I feel like Christopher Nolan, he took something that is normally considered so silly and out there. Uh, and made it into actual cinema. And then everybody had to kind of follow because people were looking at them differently. So, you know, you get these movies with these harder hitting kind of underlying stories and real acting and like all this kind of stuff. And it's like, but people aren't taking the movies at face value like they probably would have if it was made 20 years ago. I think I follow you there. Are you referring to like, like with his Batman in particular, because it's a Batman movie. First and foremost, yeah. that's what it should be. It should be fun, but it turned it into this super, not that, the, you know, it, it did. It turned it into a super serious, yeah. hard-hitting drama that kind of took away from the fun of Batman in general. 
Well, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that because I still find those movies to be endlessly entertaining. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, the Dark Knight is brought, but what I guess what I'm saying is like, he took something that was a, like expected to be camp and made it into like real cinema. And now people look at films that way. So a movie about a fucking resurrected mummy is being put under the same microscope as these real hard hitting dramas is what I'm saying. Okay. It's, I feel like people are more critical of films like that than they would have been prior. And I, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I like a good, you know, turn off my brain kind of stupid movie. Mm-hmm. But but people did that for um, the 2010 Wolfman as well. Yeah. When that movie came out, nobody liked it. I loved it. I thought Damn. it was fucking awesome. I thought it was fucking great. My friend who I went and saw it with, he thought it was kind of shitty. And I was like, come on, man. Like, it's a monster movie. And that's what it needed to be. It was a monster movie. And then, yes, it has issues. It has whatever. But it's like, now people are looking back at that fondly. And it's like, well, if you weren't such a shithead 10 years ago, <laughs> then we could have gotten probably more movies like that. Yeah. But now they're going to drive it in the vein of this new Invisible Man. Yeah. And I'm afraid of that being their catalyst. It's almost like what uh, DC did. So it's like, because Dark Knight was so successful, they decided that that was going to be the direction that they drove everything. Mm-hmm. And that's how we ended up with Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, yeah. which I can't, I can't, I'm, I can't, I can't. My biggest disagreement with the guys at the Hall of Comics is their weird love. Oh, oh yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. get it. I don't get it either. <laughs> like to the point where they almost didn't allow people to talk about it in the store. <laughs> oh, I know. I, yeah, it's, <laughs> You know, but it was, I, like, I felt that the Man of Steel was, like, what they ended up doing with that film, like, was such a terrible jumping off point for setting up the tone yes. of the rest of the films. So, the, I think that the Invisible Man is a really cool study in what you can do with that character, but I don't necessarily know that that is an archetype that can be applied to the Wolfman, Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, etc., and I'm curious, and I'm I wholeheartedly I'm gonna go see whatever the fuck they make. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, when it comes down to it, I'm gonna go see it. It's not like I'm not gonna see it. Yeah. I'm gonna go see a, if there's a monster in it. I'm gonna go see it. Like that's you know that's just how it's gonna be. You know, I felt, but yeah, I felt like the 2010 Wolfman got unfairly kind of shit canned um, at the time, and I felt I feel like I'm I'm hoping that like a few years down the line, people will look back at that mummy and not be so critical of it. Um, I'm a huge fan of the 99 mummy mm-hmm. and, it, and it's, you know, questionable sequel, not the, the best CGI one. we ever had. That was the rock. I know that that CGI rock. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Like, no, like, oh, that's, that's, that's a rough one, but I still love those movies. I still oh. like, can, like not as much the Scorpion King, uh, now like the or what is it the, is it the curse of the scorpion king is that the name of the second one or is it the return it's just return of the mummy isn't it? yeah yeah return of the mummy not as much like i can watch that one occasionally if i'm really in the mood but the first one i can watch all still rock solid like, every time i and I, and honestly the cgi in it actually holds up pretty okay 
mm-hmm. it's it's not as bad as some of the stuff I've seen. Uh, but you know, I feel like there was probably plenty of angry, weird, you know, <laughs> sixty-year-old dudes who were like, "This isn't my mummy," like you know, and yeah. and when that came out, but people now kind of like have an affection for that film, and I'm kind of hope like you know, I I really hope that Dracula Untold gets it gets a little bit more love too. You know, I never even saw that one. This is a disagreement that I I don't let Johnny get away with because he he talks shit about it. He liked the the new the newer Mummy, but he didn't like Dracula Untold. He said it should have remained untold. Um, but it was like it came out at a time that uh, monster movies were kind of in this like really weird like realistic stage where it was like vampires were always like a disease, and it was like you know there wasn't anything uh mysterious or kind of magic involved mm-hmm. and and so when dracula untold came out it was like well no fucking dracula can turn into a, a billion bats like why not like so i sat through that movie with the biggest dumbest smile on my face the entire time because <laughs> it was because it was it was just fun it was like yeah dracula can turn into mist dracula can move really fast and turn into bats this is great there's no you know we don't need we don't need like shots of a microscope and like all this like dumb crap to explain Mm -hmm. why somebody's a vampire um and that was a fun tone of a movie is it a gothic horror no but it was like they essentially made a a superhero origin story for dracula and it was you know it was fun all right, so my homework after this, I'll go and visit that, and I'll give The Mummy another chance because I only ever saw it the once. I wrote it off. I went into it with a negative mindset. I know for a fact I did, so maybe I'll try and go into it, try to reblind myself. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are cringeworthy <laughs> moments in that film, but if you kind of pay attention to what's going on around Tom Cruise, it's a little bit more enjoyable. Okay. <laughs> and but there was because there was still magic in that there was still magic in dracula and toll there was still magic in the um 2010 wolfman there wasn't anything incredible incredible jesus of the new invisible man not that there necessarily was with the claude rains one but there there almost still was there was the element of the unknown it didn't have to overanalyze everything as opposed to this new one where it was specifically based on the fact that he's a a scientist that studies this exact thing it made it well, too too real yeah, I, I guess like the the biggest change is that, you know, in the original Invisible Man, it's like him being invisible and the chemicals that he used to become invisible is what's making him insane and murderous. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, of the original Universal films, I actually feel like that one holds up the best. Mm-hmm. I think it is is a very entertaining film. But um, in the new one, he's like a sociopathic, semi-abusive, you know, boyfriend to begin with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he just has access to this thing. And um, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, inter- it was a very, like I said, super interesting, super entertaining as far as like a modern day take on that. I, you know, I, you know, they had Hollow Man. Oh, yep, Kevin Bacon's finest. Uh, which was, you know, a bit more rapey than mm-hmm. I necessarily would have gone with a film choice, but uh, it's, you know, it made him a little bit scarier, I guess with this case, like, I still think they did a good job of making him scary. I think there was a little, but 
you know, again, there's kind of that crutch of like the reality where it's like, it's not chemicals. It's not, he's not stuck like that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the other piece of this is that he wasn't stuck invisible. True. In the, in the original Invisible Man, it's like, he's sort of like, I'm a, a victim of circumstance. Like this accidentally happened to him and it's kind of driving him crazy. And this, it was, this dude's crazy and figured out a way to be creepier. Yeah. When he when he feels like it too, because obviously he put the costume away at times. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it, it did kind of take that drive away from his character. I mean, obviously the plots are a thousand percent different with like some overlap, but it, it'll be interesting to see them try to build that universe out of that because nothing felt like like a world where a wolf man should exist. Yeah, and and I guess that's sort of you know the, the the problem is that it is it's too based in realistic possibilities mm-hmm. and it's you know i i'm i'm of course i'm very curious to see what happens i want to see i want to see Ryan Gosling get turned into a wolfman mm-hmm. i want them to do a wolfman um because that's the other thing is that you know when uh, when the when the Wolfman came out, it's like everything television movie wise was doing werewolves as just big wolves. Yep. And I'm like, that's boring. It's not like, an anthropomorphic see, Wolfman. Yeah, I want to see an anthro. I want to see a Wolfman. <laughs> like <laughs> a, like half man, half wolf. That's what we want. That's what we're gonna get. And I you know I hope that they do. You know, cinema is is finally kind of taking some hints like you know with the um with a lot of the elements of some of the newer star wars films and stuff like that they're realizing that relying so heavily on cgi and things like that isn't necessarily the best option but working in tandem or finding different ways is going to be the better better way to go and um you know the stuff that they did for the mandalorian like Mm -hmm. that shit that shit's nuts and I really hope I see that kind of applied in other areas. And I want to see Ryan Gosling done up in makeup. Yep. And it can be done. Like we, we have the, we had the tech then we have better tech now and we're seeing, we have an Oscar winning monster movie for crying out loud. We have a shape of water. Yeah. That was that's true. And I mean, and that's practical effects and, you know, that was Mike Hill and um, I can't remember who else worked on it, but like, yeah, I mean that, and joke him like Guillermo del Toro is probably one of my favorite people on the planet. Like he's Easily. just, he, he's just like abs- everything about that dude. I just love, I will say that that movie was maybe even a touch weird for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I could follow it until we got to the fucking musical number. <laughs> well, it's not even it, like in general, like I, you know, my, my biggest complaint about that was that, I felt like they still made the creature a little too, he was like a little too puppy doggy. Okay. And then she's like, Oh, look at this cute thing. I'm going to sleep with it. You know, (laughs) that's, that was, that was the disconnect for me. I was like, well, if he started showing like communication, like if his communication beat went beyond egg, you know, and it was, um, and less animalistic. Does that make sense? I hear you. Um, that was my only complaint about that. But other than that, it was a 
beautiful story. It was exactly like his other stuff as far as like, it is a weird, tragic fairy tale and mm-hmm. it's lovely and beautiful. Um, you know, Crimson Peak kind of gets like washed over in, in the scheme of his films. Movie. Stunning film. Um, you know, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm a little bummed out because he's really been taking a producer role uh, seat as mm-hmm. of late, like he's got a lot of stuff going on, but he's, you know, his one of his next projects that he's producing is a uh, a Wild West werewolf movie. Oh, with um, Issa Lopez, who did um, Tigers Are Not Afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm a hardcore Red Dead Redemption fan, too. So it's like, I'm totally I'm, I'm so ready for that. Like everything about that. I'm just like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> I can, come on. Bring, Come on, wild, wild west and vamp and and werewolves. That just that sounds fun as hell. Yep, I'm excited for between the wild west werewolves we're gonna get from that and the wild west vampires we're supposedly getting from Danzig. I'm like, okay, let's not get too excited <laughs> about anything from Danzig, <laughs> shall we? I don't hate the Elvis album he put out a couple months ago. Oh, that's fine. I mean, it, I, it, music. I'm I'm not talking musically. I'm talking about cinematically. Oh, Veronica. <laughs> Although, actually, I will tell you, the uh, a good friend of mine is, uh, did all the vampire teeth for that Western. Oh. Uh, this, this guy named Chris Gallagher, who, um, he's done some work for Trick or Treat Studios, uh, but he is, he, like, he's one of my best friends. I fucking love this guy so much. But he, uh, he actually did the makeup on uh, Christian Bale for Vice. Cool. So, like, you know, and so he's an award-winning makeup artist, but he, he specializes in doing teeth. So he, he got contacted to do all the teeth for, for this Western vampire movie, which is going to star Danzig and his girlfriend. Yeah, that's, so if anything, the movie will have good teeth. We can give it that. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've just read the reviews of his other film, and I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know if I can. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? No. Oh, should, it's... I, should I? <laughs> It's hard because it, it it doesn't even fall into the so bad it's good category. It's just kind of bad. Like, <laughs> it was one of the ones I showed at my movie night at my house a couple of months ago, or the last movie night we had back in February. Holy fuck, that was February. And it just, it went over kind of like a wet fart. Like, we all sat there and it just kept happening <laughs> on my screen. <laughs> oh, but it's, I don't know. I'd rec- so, so the description of it being the room of horror movies... There is still value in watching the room because it's that falls right into that. So bad. It's good. There's, I, it's still fun to watch. Veronica just wasn't fun to watch. It just kind of kept happening. Like, I don't mm. know. I don't know how we got the people involved in that movie to be involved with it or even got it made between the intro sequence looking like it was peeled off of like a PS one game that got thrown away. And it's just, just bad. Like it's now, not now, now, now I have a morbid curiosity. That I got, I got to, I got to dip my toe into that one. Go for it. I don't know. The, the, uh, it's funny because you say, like, when you say things like that, it's like, it just kept happening. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, I've, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Except on the opposite end of the spectrum, which is like movies that are like playing at too highbrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where I'm just like, is, is, is this movie still going on? <laughs> uh, you know, but, oh, man. Like it's weird to get bored by a 
um, anthology film. Because you think, okay, keep it short and sweet. Each plot is fine. It'll make enough sense within itself. Oh, it's an anthology film? It's an anthology film. Oh, Lord. Yep. Between the the girl with the eyeball nipples, the six-armed Spider-Man, uh, the face-ripping, and then all of a sudden the Elizabeth Bathory-type character, you'd think there's mm. enough in there to keep you interested, but... <laughs> Some people just aren't meant to make films. Yeah. And Danzig is one of the few, or one of the many that are not meant to make films. Like you'd think yeah. you'd learn by doing your comic company for 20 years that never got, that never took off, that maybe writing isn't, maybe writing's plots isn't your forte. <laughs> could be, could be. He's a, he's an interesting fella. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've been, we've been going for a good bit here. I really appreciate you taking the time out to do this. Um, the pre-order for the Monsters Against Racism shirts is back up now. And how long is that running till? Um, I believe I'm going to run it through the end of next week. Um, so I, I, because I, I mostly just hate taking people's money and having them wait for stuff for so yeah. long. Uh, but, you know, uh, I said that uh, people should be getting their shirts by mid-August. So I'm going to run it till at least... Yeah, I'd say probably the 25th probably be the best day. So Um, by the time this goes live, that will still be up there. So you guys should definitely hop out there and grab what you can from it. I got myself the pin during the first pre-order, and I love it. The -the glow-in-the-dark ink for it is really, really cool. I just need to find a good home for it. Um, it's, It's good being able to buy decent quality horror merch that not only is coming from a local independent producer, but one that's going to such good causes as it is. So I do highly recommend picking it up if you can. Well, thank you. Of course. And where can people follow you online to view more of your awesome merch? Monsters are good everywhere. It's uh, <laughs> it's mo- monsters are good on Instagram. Monsters are good on Facebook, uh, and pre- and monstersaregood.com. Awesome. Well, again, man, thank you. I really appreciate you taking your time out to do this with me. And this will be going up shortly. And I really hope everyone picks up a new Monsters Against Racism shirt or pin or whatever they choose to, whatever else they grab from your site. All right. Thank you, man. Cool. Thanks. Have a good night. You too. Thanks all for listening. Sam is the man, and the video of us talking is great because we were both clearly exhausted, but found just enough energy to talk monster movies. Thanks, man. His shirts are seriously great, and you should definitely go check him out. I love my pins and shirts from him, and the fact that I know the money is going to a good cause with the Monsters Against Racism design makes him even better. I didn't get any questions asked this week, but if you do think of anything to ask, you can definitely reach me out at um, at SlashNingsPod and all the social media pages, or you can email me directly at SlashNingsPod at gmail.com. I'm all ears and limbs and organs and cybernetic implants, whatever. Uh, while I'm asking you to do this stuff, please also go rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It means a lot, because obviously the more people that see better reviews and stuff will listen to it more. It works kind of like Yelp, or when you look at other reviews online of different things, the more good ones you see, the more likely you are to listen to it. If you know anybody that's into this sort of stuff and horror movies in general, send them the show. If you can think of anybody you think would be a good guest for the show or has a good knowledge of horror and horror history and stuff... Send them my way. I'd love to record an episode with just some fans. You know, it doesn't have to be anyone who makes stuff or does stuff. I just anybody who's into this stuff, I'm happy to talk about them with it on this show. It makes it a really good conversation to go back and forth with people who are genuinely into it. And it's just a really good way to help build the community, especially at a time like this where we do have to still stay distant for as long as we have to. It bums me out that I'm not going to be able to talk to people and see people at conventions this year. And it's looking more and more likely that Halloween in general just is going to be kind of a 
little bit muted. I'm not going to let the spirit die. Maybe carve my jack-o'-lanterns and decorating like you should be, and I hope you all do the same. But, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. But either way, send people my way. I'd be happy to talk to them about literally anything. I'll be back in a couple weeks with more fiendish chatter and bad attempts at jokes. Until then, keep it creepy.